A woman is suing her Uber driver for refusing to take her to get an abortion. Meanwhile, leftists weep over a sack full of puppies in a dumpster. We will examine our clinical culture. Then 2020 Democrats continue to humiliate themselves and share, yes, share, marches further down the road to becoming a Republican. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. This is the most important story in the news today, and nobody's talking about it. A woman is trying to sue her Uber driver for not driving her to go get an abortion. There, there are so many political and cultural issues all in this one story. This story basically epitomizes 2019. We will get to that in a second, but first, I target pro. I suspect a large number of you are gun owners like myself, but you don't have a ton of time to practice. Not just time, but money too, especially if you live in California where guns are basically absolutely illegal and they will come and hunt you down if you exercise your second amendment rights. Guns, uh, shooting guns can be very expensive. It's time consuming. It's inconvenient to go to the range, but it's also necessary to do all of that, especially to protect our constitutional rights. What if you could practice in the comfort, convenience, and privacy of your own home? Introducing iTarget Pro, the first drive fire training system to combine smartphone technology with the industry's best laser bullet. This is a complete game changer. I absolutely love this thing. I never have time to go to the one or two ranges around Los Angeles. It's very expensive. It, it really becomes onerous, especially if you shoot very fun guns like I do. iTarget Pro changes all of that. You can do it while sitting on your couch, using your smartphone. Proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser, fits onto your actual firearm. It will detect exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe. With a specific laser bullet target system, you can begin training immediately. Right Right now, get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Experts agree dry fire training is essential. Now it is easy and fun. It is so great. If you aren't sure what to get dad this Father's Day, go to the letter I, targetpro.com. Get him something truly cool. Get him the original iTarget Pro. That is letter I, targetpro.com. Promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. 20-year-old woman in upstate New York finds out that she's pregnant. She's not married. She's got a boyfriend. She finds out she's pregnant, so she decides to go get an abortion. Now, she doesn't have a car uh, up, up where she is. I think she's at college, so she doesn't keep a car on campus. She decides to call an Uber and take her to the abortion clinic. So her abortion appointment is 1130 in the morning. Her Uber shows up a couple minutes before 10 a.m. Now, according to her, the driver seemed uneasy. The driver asks her five minutes into the ride, are we going to Planned Parenthood? She says no. Apparently, she's not going to Planned Parenthood. But there was the address of a clinic in the app. Now, presumably, this woman, maybe she looked pregnant. Somehow, this driver has a feeling she's not just going to get her annual checkup. So the driver asks, are we going to an abortion clinic? The woman remains silent. That's all, all she needs to hear. All, all the driver needs to hear. Total silence. So then he says, I know it's none of my business, but, and he goes on to talk about his wife. His wife apparently 
was pregnant or is pregnant. He goes on to talk about how the abortion peddling industry does not give women all of the information about it, does not talk about the huge rates of regret that women feel afterwards. He tells her she's going to regret this decision for the rest of her life. Let's not forget uh, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, the number one iconic abortion rights activist, became a major pro-life activist later in her life, totally regretted everything she did with regard to abortion. Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the founder of NARAL, the founder of the abortion rights organization, became one of the biggest pro-life advocates. He said they were lying throughout the pro-abortion movement. He totally regrets what he did. And what this Uber driver was saying is you are going to regret this decision. Countless scores of women who were going to get abortions, who advocated for abortion, who considered abortions, totally came to regret it. You can see them all at the March for Life. So many of them go and march now in the March for Life. So halfway to the clinic, I guess the clinic's about an hour, hour and a half away, he pulls over, he says, I'm sorry, I can't take you the rest of the way. He said, I can take you back to the city where you're from, or I can stay here and wait with you while you call another Uber. He said, if I drive you back to the city where you're from, you're not going to be able to get another Uber, middle of upstate New York. But here, I will wait with you until you get another Uber, but I cannot drive you to go get an abortion. So she says, no, I don't want you to wait with me. She calls her boyfriend. He doesn't pick up. I guess she calls him again. Maybe she calls him a third time. Finally, he picks up. And he says, oh, well, you've got to call the abortion clinic and say you're going to be a little late. Sounds like a great guy, doesn't he? Sounds like a real upright guy. I bet he really cares for her. I bet it was a really good decision to date him. Doesn't go with her. Doesn't tell her not to get the abortion, not to kill the kid. Doesn't even go with her to get the abortion. He's back. Doesn't even pick up her call when she calls. Then he says, oh yeah, you're probably going to want to call the abortion clinic. Say you're going to be a little bit late, huh? That's it. Click. So then she calls a cab. Cab takes her to the abortion clinic. I guess she gets an abortion. After this, the woman contacts Uber and demands that the driver be fired. The driver who asked her at the very beginning, are we, getting an, are we going to get an abortion right now? Are we going to Planned Parenthood? Are we going to an abortion clinic? She was quiet. She didn't. He says, look, I, I'll wait with you while you call another Uber or I will drive you back home. You can try to call an Uber there, but I personally cannot be complicit in killing a baby. She contacts Uber, says he's got to be fired. Uber immediately fires the driver. I'm from north of the city in New York. Spent a lot of time in upstate New York. There aren't a ton of jobs up there, depending on which town you're in. Not the most booming economies in upstate New York. Immediately, this guy loses his job for saying that he's not going to be complicit to an abortion. But it goes further than that. The woman now wants to sue the guy who are refusing to take her to go kill her child. She's trying to find out if she has a case. Maybe she does. What went wrong here? Everything. Everything about this story is wrong. The most important aspect, the most glaring aspect, is that we treat abortion as though it's calling an Uber. I mean, in this case, she's literally treating an abortion like it's getting an Uber. You hear politicians talk about abortion on demand, frivolous abortion, abortion as birth control. She is literally treating abortion 
as though she's calling an Uber. She's conflating the two. She's saying, if, if you, Uber driver, don't drive me to the abortion, you are denying my rights. You're denying my constitutional right to an abortion. I don't know where in the constitution that right exactly exists, but she's saying that he's denying her rights. The other aspect is that we treat people as inconveniences rather than as human beings. We treat people as though the only value that they have is a value as it relates to us. Obviously, that's the case of this baby. The woman has a baby. She's pregnant. She wants to kill it. No regard to the value of her child. No regard to its humanity. Only because it's inconvenient that she become a mother now. She said that. She said at the, at the top of this, she's spoken to the media and said, I'm 20 years old. I'm not ready to become a mother. I'm not ready to take care of a child. So I'm going to kill it. Well, it's not all about you. It's not all about your ability to care for a child. How about you give the child up for adoption? A lot of people in this country want to adopt babies. Do that. No, it's just about her. How about the Uber driver? This guy, she calls on him, asks him to perform a service. He then finds out the reality of that service. He says he doesn't want to do it. And she gets him fired. She gets him to lose his job. Now she's trying to take his money. She's trying to sue him. How about the boyfriend? How about this dirtbag boyfriend who knocks up his girlfriend then tells her to go get an abortion, then doesn't go with her to get the abortion. Then she gets held up. She, she can't get a ride to get the abortion. What does he do? He finally picks up the phone. He says, oh, well, you got to let them know you'll be late. You, you better make sure that they don't cancel your abo- abortion appointment because that would be really inconvenient to me if you don't kill my child. Come on, go do it. Take care of it. What are you bothering me for? Same thing. This, this woman is treating this guy not as a boyfriend not as a husband, not as someone she's in love with. She's, she's buying into the feminist lie that our sexual relations between each other are just totally casual. They're totally, it doesn't matter. It's not, look, he has no responsibility. I know he knocked me up, but he has no responsibility for the baby. No, I know. I shouldn't have even bothered to call him. That was probably wrong of me. I'm imposing on him. And then we're treating people as bigots for not indulging our fantasies and our desires. We're treating this Uber driver as though he's somehow bigoted because he won't indulge this woman's fantasy that her baby isn't really a baby. That the baby that she's explicitly going to kill somehow isn't alive. Or that the offspring that she has begotten somehow isn't human probably a platypus or something. It's probably like algae or a goldfish, right? No, it's obviously a living human baby. It's her baby. This Uber driver realizes that. She's pretending that it's not her baby. And then she's calling him a bigot because he won't indulge in that fantasy or that desire. What, I mean, when we talk about the questions of religious liberty, if this is not the religious liberty case, what is? It's a man saying, I politely would like to refrain from helping to kill a baby. And this woman is using the force of corporate America and is trying to use the force of the state to compel him to participate in killing a baby. Corporate America is already doing this. Corporate America has already totally destroyed his religious liberty. Totally gone over his rights. Uber fired him in a second. 
Oh, you won't drive a woman to go kill a baby? You won't help to do that act? Okay, you're done. Well, I don't care why you object to it. You're just a bigot. Now she's trying to go to the government and say, I want damages. I want him to pay me because he wouldn't help me kill my baby. And it, how vindictive, how vindictive is this? This, you notice, not just on the question of abortion, you see it all throughout the country. We are so vindictive to people who don't affirm the fantasies that we hold, who don't affirm the desires that we have. We are so vindictive. If you, I was on campus yesterday at Cal State LA talking to all of the students. Apparently at that school, they get a diversity manual about this thick, diversity, which just means left-wing ideology. They describe all the various sexual orientations. One of them apparently is, is BDSM, sadomasochism. That's now a sexual orientation. And if you object to something like BDSM, you're a bigot and you will be punished because then you're not inclusive. Then you're not accepting diversity. If you don't affirm any little thing that the left wants you to affirm, not only will you be smeared as a bigot, you will be destroyed. Your career will be destroyed. You will be socially ostracized. You will be professionally ostracized. You will be politically ostracized. And the overarching theme I see from this whole story is how clinical we treat each other. Now, when we people talk about their boyfriends or their girlfriends, among my left-wing friends, do you know how they introduce them to me? They say, hello, Michael, I'd like you to meet my partner. Even if it's a straight couple, gay couple, they say, hey, this is my partner. Partner, what do you, you have like an accounting business together? Partner, you're, you've invested in some stock together. You've got some corporation together. No, no, it's my partner. And we're in a relationship. They're not in love. They're not married. They're not engaged. They're not having an affair. They're in a relationship. How pathetic. How pathetic is it that we have now somehow made sex boring? We've somehow made romance bland and boring. George Will made this point years ago. He said, Cole Porter didn't sing, let's do it, let's be in a relationship. No, he said, let's do it, let's fall in love. Love is a wonderful thing. Romance is a wonderful thing. Even if an affair, at least there's some sauce to it. At least there's some emotion to it. At least you're participating in it as a human. There's nothing human about how clinical all, the, all of this is. You, you have a child, you beget a child, and you go to some sterile room with fluorescent lighting, and you have some sadistic doctor kill it. You, I don't know, maybe you have a couple drinks and a wink with some guy down the street, and you beget a child, and you say, I'm going to kill that child, and the guy just hangs around stays around his apartment. Then you try to call him because you've come into some trouble. He says, I don't know. Guess you better call the abortion clinic. Let him know you're going to be a little late, huh? Mm -hmm. All right, we've got to go. The game's on. All right, bye. No. How clinical. How You treat your child like you're calling an Uber. And then you get the Uber driver to come and you treat him like he's some robot. Like he doesn't have thoughts or feelings. He doesn't have beliefs about anything. His beliefs don't matter. Because he's inconveniencing you. All that matters is you. It's, it's all about you. Nobody else matters. Not the baby, not the boyfriend, not the moral law, certainly not that Uber driver. He's not a person. He's just some grunt 
who only exists to please you and to acquiesce to any of your whims, no matter how immoral, no matter how wrong. Compare the reaction that this story is getting with the reaction to a story from Coachella over the weekend. This story at Coachella has become now a four-day news story, five-day news story. This from TMZ. Coachella woman caught in an utterly despicable act. Gosh, what was the act? Maybe it was this act of this woman in upstate New York, right? No, no. Woman caught in an utterly despicable act against puppies. Okay, social media, do your thing to help the cops find the culprit. Puppies. The the story goes on. This is from TMZ. This is utterly despicable. A woman in Coachella was caught on video throwing a bag of three-day-old puppies in a dumpster. And now cops are on the hunt to find her. The Riverside County Animal Services released security footage showing a woman pulling up in a white Jeep Wrangler at a local business earlier this week and tossing a bag filled with seven puppies into the trash bin. About an hour later, someone rummaging through the trash bin discovered the puppies. Fortunately, the puppies survived the ordeal and are being cared for at an Orange County rescue shelter. The Riverside County Animal Services say cops are investigating for animal cruelty, but need help identifying the woman. Okay, social media, do your thing and find her. This became widespread outrage throughout the country, trended on Twitter. Everybody covering this for days. News organizations are still covering it. It's Wednesday. When did this story break? Sunday? Saturday? Because there were puppies in a dumpster. I like puppies. I like puppies just as much as the next guy. I don't think we should throw puppies in a dumpster. Now do babies. The baby that that woman in upstate New York killed and then got her Uber driver fired for not killing and helping to kill and then is suing her Uber driver for not helping to kill. That baby is infinitely more valuable than all of the puppies in the world combined. Infinitely more. Not just 10% more. Not just, oh, some babies are no good, uh, some babies cry too much, and some puppies are really cute. No. The worst baby in the whole wide world is infinitely more valuable than the cutest little puppy that's ever existed. And the left gets this exactly backwards. We talk about this all the time. The left inverts reality all the time. It's not just that it gets it a little bit wrong. We all get things a little bit wrong. That would be understandable. What what sets out this perverse ideology is it's not even just perverse, it's inverse. It gets it exactly wrong. We weep for puppies and we are totally neutral, clinical when it comes to the killing of babies. How do you explain that? I, I know, I know all of the arguments for abortion. I've heard every argument for abortion that has ever been made. They're not terribly compelling arguments, but I've heard them all out. Explain to me how you could get yourself so worked up over a puppy being thrown in the trash, but you could have no reaction to a million babies a year, not just this one baby in New York, a million babies a year being killed. Three-day-old puppy, three-day-old baby, because we're not just talking about abortion at the stage at which the baby doesn't quite look like a baby, where you can convince yourself, oh, it's not really a baby. It's a tadpole or something. Oh, it's not really a baby. It's a little duck. 
No, there's, a, because we respond to physical resemblance, there's a stage of, of human growth where you can convince yourself, oh, it doesn't really quite look like a baby. Also a terrible argument, by the way. Are we now to judge whether people should live or die based on how they look? Is that what you're advocating? Well, I don't like the color of his skin. Well, I don't know. He doesn't look that, he doesn't look that cute. The puppy's so much cuter. Is that how we're going to judge? No. But there is that stage where people feel that way. That's not what we're talking about these days in our abortion debates. The abortion law that was just passed in New York isn't about a baby who's a week old. It's about a baby who's being born. The, the abortion law that was just passed in New York allows babies who are being born to be killed. No questions asked, no big deal. The abortion laws that are being debated in Virginia go further than that. The governor of Virginia said a baby who has been born can be killed. Oh, it's okay. Listen to how clinical he sounds when he describes killing a baby that's already been born. There are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. The infant would be delivered, and then the infant would be kept comfortable, and then a discussion would ensue between the mother and the physicians as to whether or not to kill the baby that's already been born and is crying and moving around on the table, and then we would call the mother an Uber, and the Uber driver would be compelled by the force of corporate America and by the state to participate in any number of abortions we would like, and then the Uber driver would drop her off at her apartment, and then maybe her boyfriend would answer the phone a little bit later in the night if he wants to. No big deal. I don't understand what all the fuss is about. Why, why are you all looking at me like I'm some sort of sociopath who just described killing a little baby that was born and is crying on the table? What are you saying? I'm some sort of sociopath? Are you accusing me of being somebody who would ever tolerate throwing a puppy in a dumpster? I'm not. I'm not a bad man like that. I'm just talking about killing babies who have already been born. It's no big deal. Unless you think that we're just pointing to Andrew Cuomo in New York, the governor, or Ralph Northam, governor of Virginia, as outlier egregious examples of this. Don't forget the entire cabal of Senate Democrats voted for these sorts of laws. The entire cabal of Senate Democrats voted to deny medical care to babies who survive abortion. All of those Senate Democrats voted to let living babies who have been delivered die on the table while they cry for their mothers. Not just the Senate Democrats, the Democrats who are running for the presidential nomination in 2020. Here's Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg tries to play himself off as howdy doody, just as American as apple pie. He's a moderate. He's not one of these extremists. He's asked by Morning Joe whether or not he thinks that the abortion laws now being debated in New York, the past in New York, in, in Virginia, among Senate Democrats, whether he thinks they're too extreme. Maybe we shouldn't kill babies as they're being born and after they're being born. Here's what Mayor Pete has to say. 
Do you support the late-term uh, abortion legislation that was passed in the New York State Legislature uh, as well as in Virginia? I don't think we need more restrictions right now. Yes, that's what he says. I don't think we need more restrictions right now. Nine words, could have said it in one word, yes. Do you think that we should restrict the laws that have been passed in New York and Virginia? No, we shouldn't restrict the laws. Pete Buttigieg, ask any of the other candidates running for the Democrat nomination for president what they think about abortion as babies are being delivered or after babies have been delivered, either as survivors of abortions or lying on that table in Virginia. Ask them what they think about it. They'll all give exactly the same answer. And they'll give that answer because they are trapped in a clinical lie. They're trapped in the lie that love is an illusion. Human beings are just automatons. They're just individuals. We have no bonds of love or kinship to anybody else. And ultimately, all that matters is not our love for the creator who made us, is not the moral law, is not our loyalty and allegiance to our parents and our families and our children. It's not that. It's just what we want. It's all about me, me, me. Don't you ever interfere with numero uno. I like people as much as the next guy, but stand in my way and I'll rip you to shreds. That's what they're all saying. They can't face the reality. They look at clinical fantasy. They can't face the human reality, the human reality of people like John Franklin Stevens, who every single one of those Democrats in the Senate and running New York and Virginia and running for president right now think should, it, it's perfectly acceptable to kill. They can't face people like this man, Frank Stevens, who simply want to be recognized as a human. I am a man. See me as a human being not a birth defect, not a syndrome. I don't need to be eradicated. I don't need to be cured. I, I need to be loved, valued, educated, and sometimes helped. <clears throat> Allow me to use my life as one, of, as one example of, of what's possible now. Every one of those Democrats, Pete Buttigieg, the Senate Democrats, Andrew Cuomo, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, would kill that man, would kill him just as soon as look at him. And if he survived their attempt to kill him in the womb, they would let him die on the table. They all voted for it, every single one of them. And then they'll cry over puppies in a dumpster. Well, the puppies are so cute. That's the inversion that we're dealing with. That's the politics of 2019 that we're dealing with. We're not, we're not allowed to protect little babies in the womb. According to the left, we can kill children. And according to the left, it is immoral to put children on a diet. It's okay to kill them. It's immoral to put children on a diet. This is a crazy news story unless you understand the totally inverted logic of the left. We'll get to it in one second. First, I've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Go over to dailywire.com. $10 a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin show, you get the Ben Shapiro show, you get the Matt Walsh show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag coming up tomorrow. Get your questions in. You get another kingdom. You get to ask questions backstage. You get so much. And you get the leftist tears tumbler. I was at Cal State LA yesterday. The Q&A session got 
pretty rowdy, to say the least. There were professors at this university who came up to me, looked me in the face, and said, speech is violence. Who said, Michael, look up the definition of violence. You'll find out that speech is violence. Spoiler alert, I looked it up. It's not. Very crazy, crazy professors. Frankly, the professors were far more extreme and far more ignorant than the students. You can check that out. I assume we'll put that online today if it's not already online. You're going to need the leftist ears Tumblr to watch it, though. You can't, it's like looking at a solar eclipse. You can't look at it directly or you'll blind yourself. You have to look at it through a, a certain instrument. You can't watch the video at Cal State LA directly. You'll drown yourself. You have to look through it with an instrument called the leftist ears Tumblr. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. According to the left, we can kill our children, kill our children after they've been born, but we cannot put our children on a diet. This is according to a fat sex therapist. I'm not describing her as fat, by the way. This is the title that she goes by, the fat sex therapist, Sonali Rashatwar. She is non-binary, she says, so I guess I'm not even allowed to use the, the pronoun she, I have to call her like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I don't know what the, the correct non-binary pronoun is. She was giving a lecture at the University of Texas on the, quote, business of medical fat phobia. And here is what she has to say about the morality of putting children on a diet. And I truly believe that a child cannot consent to being on a diet the way a child cannot consent to having sex. That is why I identify what I experience as a child as non-consensual diets. This statement got me in a little bit of hot water because folks are, folks feel like we can't call things sexual violence if they don't, if they don't include an experience of assault. But I experience diet culture as a form of assault because it impacts the way that I experience my body. You cannot, after leaving this room, continue to call yourself progressive, or leftist, or radical, or a Marxist, or a communist, or a socialist, or, or an anarchist, and still hold on to fat phobic values. Because fat phobia is tied into ableism, fat phobia is tied into classism, fat phobia is tied into capitalism, into this understanding that a system is telling us that there is an inherent rank and hierarchy of body worthiness. She does make one good point. Fat phobia is tied in with capitalism in so much as because of capitalism, all of us are extremely rich and people are getting very fat because there's a lot of abundance. There's a lot of wealth and food to go around. So it is true. In so much as fat phobia is tied to being fat, being fat definitely is tied to capitalism. If you want to get rid of fat phobia, you've got to get rid of people who are fat. And if you want to get rid of people who are fat, I highly recommend socialism. Socialism does an incredible job of thinning people down. You can look in Venezuela, you can look in Cuba, you can look in the Soviet Union, you can look in China, you can look anywhere socialism has ever been tried. You can look to North Korea. Socialism does a very good job of eradicating fat phobia by eradicating fat people, really by eradicating people to begin with. This woman, Sonali Rashatwar, says that children cannot consent 
to being on a diet any more than children can consent to having sex. Okay. Okay, let's follow that argument to its logical conclusion. What does Sonali Rashitwar think about children who say that they are transgender? What does Sonali Rashitwar think of the treatment of children who say they're transgender and then their parents stop them from going through puberty, they inject them from a ton of hormones, with a ton of hormones, and they, they castrate them? Can children consent to being castrated? Can children consent to being shot up with a bunch of hormones? Can children can be consenting to not going through puberty? Probably not. Let's take it back a step further. If children can't consent to going on a diet, can children consent to being killed in the womb? Because I don't think you ask the baby's permission when you try to kill it in the womb. And actually, we have lots of evidence that babies fight back, that they don't want to be killed, that they're in pain in some cases. They certainly, from all, everything that we can tell, the babies are not consenting to being killed in the womb. Even if they were, even if they said, yeah, bring it on, we're all for it, yeah. By your logic, babies are too young to consent to being killed in the womb. Surely being killed in the womb is far more egregious than being put on a diet or more egregious than being shot full of hormones, even more egregious than being assaulted because you're being killed. Where, why does that logic hold up to fat kids being allowed to remain fat kids and not being put on a diet by their parents? But it doesn't hold up to the transgender argument or to killing them in the womb. Something tells me this is all about subjective preference. This is all about fantasy. This is all about desires and making everybody acquiesce to your desires. The woman calls herself the fat sex therapist, so I'll take her at her word. If you can't see the video, she's very, very large. She's definitely not healthy. Nobody thinks that this woman is in good physical shape. When you're not healthy, when you're morbidly obese, that has very difficult health consequences. You can die sooner. You can develop a lot of illnesses. You can develop type 2 diabetes. You can have to go on lots of medications. You might have to be taken care of. Under socialist healthcare systems, we all have to pay for your medical care. It's not good to be morbidly obese. Doesn't mean you're immoral. Doesn't mean you're going to burn in hell. Doesn't mean you're a terrible person if you're morbidly obese. But it does mean something's wrong. Maybe you can work on that thing that's wrong. This woman is not standing while she's giving her lecture. She's sitting in a big comfy armchair. I assume that's part of the presentation. I assume that's part of the point she's trying to make, which is how dare you tell me that I should lose some weight, that it would be better if I lost some weight. She says, I experience diets as assault. I think we all do. We just came out of the period of Lent. Lent is the period of a penitential season before Easter where you're supposed to deny yourself. A lot of people eat less food during this time. It's not fun to eat less food. You are denying yourself. You're, you're making a sacrifice. It's good to deny yourself. It's good to have discipline. It's good to make sacrifices for something that is outside yourself. But by these sorts of arguments, fat phobia just being the, the new word that we're using, you could use any of the other new words. It's just a way to rationalize prioritizing our subjective preferences over objective reality. It seems to me this woman doesn't want to lose weight. She says as much. 
And her justification for why she doesn't want to lose weight and become healthier is it doesn't make her feel good. She, I don't want to. That's her justification. That's the beginning and the end of her argument. And then she's trying to extrapolate her subjective feeling to children. So say if there's some fat kid who's being fed a diet of 5,000 calories a day and he's really fat, it's wrong of you to tell him to lose weight. Why is it wrong? Because if you can tell him to lose weight, you can tell me to lose weight and I don't want to lose weight. Well, let's take her argument just on its face. If it's immoral to tell fat kids to go on a diet, isn't it also immoral to feed fat kids a really highly caloric diet? The fat kid can't consent to go on a diet any more than the fat kid can consent to eat what the food that you prepare for him. Fat kids don't make their own food. They're kids. Their food is made for them by their parents or if their parents don't make them lunch by the school or by the government. They're not consenting to one or the other. Why is it wrong to put, to put the kid on a healthy diet, but it's not wrong to put the kid on an unhealthy diet? They can't consent. Well, maybe the kid wants to eat chocolate all day. Okay, maybe he does, but he can't consent. The, the argument of consent can't work in the instances that are convenient for you, but not in the instances that are inconvenient for you. You have to have a rule. You have to follow objective reality, not subjective nonsense. Now, I think some people are waking up to this. Uh, that's the hopeful side of it. Because obviously, you look at that video and you say, this is so crazy. There are a lot of people who believe it. There are a lot of people in that audience. I was at Cal State LA yesterday and there was a girl who held up a sign that said, anti-immigrant speech is violence. And I said, no, it's not. She said, no, it is violence. I said, no, violence is when you harm somebody physically. Nobody in this room has been harmed physically. They said, yes, yes, no. Your speech is harming racial minority students. I said, it's not. Virtually the entire audience was made up of various racial minorities. I said, I'm looking at all of you. None of you have been injured. I'm not, I can't see, there is no physical difference between how you look now and how you looked when you walked into the room. And there was a young black girl who called out. She said, well, have you asked any of us if we've been injured? I said, no, I don't need to ask you if you've been injured because I can see with my own eyes. I can see that my words haven't leapt out of my mouth and grown big fists and marched over to you and punched you in the face. I know that's true in objective reality. Now, what she was trying to say, that young girl is, you can never know if you've harmed me. Only I can know if you've harmed me. Only I can say if you've harmed me. Only I can define reality. You can't perceive reality, especially as a white man, or in my case, a slightly off-white man. You can't define that. You can't perceive anything. Only I can. That's not true. The fat sex therapist says that her opinions are true because she feels them and she really wants them to be true. It's not an argument. The girl at the theater said, we've been hurt. I say, no, you haven't. Show me any evidence. They say, my feelings. I want to have been hurt. Not an argument. When I was leaving the University of Missouri, Kansas City a week or two ago, all those crazy screaming students were walking out. And they said, we're oppressed. We're oppressed. Oh, we are, you're awful. You're oppressing us. And I said, I'm looking at you. You're here in the most prosperous country in the history of the world. 
You're in the most just, equitable country in the history of the world. You all have nice clothing on. We're in a very lovely place, temperature-controlled room. You're at a university getting a college education. You're here voluntarily at a lecture. You must be really oppressed, huh? And they looked at me dead serious with those crazy eyes and said, we are oppressed. Yes. Yes, we are. No, you want to be oppressed. You want to be oppressed because being oppressed carries with it social advantage, social privileges. You want to be special. You want to get certain social advantages. And so the only way that you, any American, could say, I am oppressed, is to say, only my subjective feeling defines reality. And that is a bridge too far, even for some really out there people. That is a bridge too far, even for Cher. I am loving this, watching the progression of Cher, you know, Sonny and Cher, the singer, crazy leftist, becoming slowly a Republican. That's what's happening. We're getting woke Cher. When, it, when you know, Bill Kristol went from being a conservative to being, I guess, a liberal now or something, I mean, it's, very, it's certainly on the left now, they, they called him woke Bill Kristol. Now we're getting woke Cher. Woke Share just tweeted out after that town hall we were talking about yesterday where Bernie Sanders and all the other candidates said that terrorists and the Boston Marathon bomber should be able to get the right to vote. Bernie Sanders said that the Boston Marathon bomber should get the right to vote in prison. Share tweeted out, does Bernie Sanders really believe people in prison who are murderers? There's a crazy capitalizations and strange spelling, so bear with me who are rapists, who are child molesters, then all caps, Boston bombers still deserve the right to vote? Yes, Bernie Sanders really believes that. It's not just Bernie though. Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon asked all the other candidates, said, you don't agree with Bernie Sanders that the Boston Marathon bomber should have the right to vote, right? And what did Kamala Harris say? Well, I know it's very important. I think we have to have that conversation. So what? As Pete Buttigieg, do you think that terrorists and rapists should have the right to vote? Well, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Certainly once they've gotten out of prison. Yeah, absolutely. And Don Lemon and, and Chris Cuomo, both Democrats, both left-wingers, looking at him like, are you kidding me? What are you doing to my party? This is an extreme and people are waking up to this. People are waking up to this, the phobia language. Fat pho- What is fat phobia? It's the irrational fear of being in bad health. It's not an irrational fear. That's a perfectly rational fear. Plenty of people have it. I have fears about behaviors that I engage in. I try to stop those behaviors. People are waking up to all of this subjective crazy language, which has led us to these extreme policy positions where now you have the leading Democrat candidates for president advocating giving terrorists who have murdered Americans, the right to vote, the right to select the president while they are in prison. Cher had previously tweeted out, quote, I understand helping struggling immigrants, but my city, Los Angeles, isn't taking care of its own. What about the 50,000 plus citizens who live on the streets, people who live below poverty, people who are hungry? If my state can't take care of its own, many are veterans, how can it take care of more? Waking up, they're saying, wait a second, you're telling me that we're going to let in 3,000 foreign nationals a day come into our country and 
on average use more welfare programs over generations than native born Americans and on average commit more federal crimes than native born Americans. And we're going to, hold on, hold on. That's a little too much even for me. So share Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, they might all share the premises of this radical left. They just haven't followed them to their logical conclusions. And as those arguments reach their logical conclusions, I think we're going to see a lot of people wake up say, gosh, that, that's not what I meant to do at all. Sorry, we got a reverse course. C.S. Lewis talks about this. When, when you're going down a road, when you're going in the wrong direction, the guy to stop and turn around, go in the other direction, is the real progressive. <laughs> he's, he's the only one who's progressive. You might think you're both marching down the road to progress. If you're going in the wrong direction, the guy who turns around, he's the progressive. I think we're going to get a lot more woke people in addition to share as this 2020 race goes on. That's our show. I'm going to be sitting in for Ben on the radio show today, so be sure to tune in for that. It'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, get your mailbag questions in. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, an Uber driver has been fired for refusing to take a woman to get an abortion. It's an interesting case. I believe the driver is heroic in, in, in what he did, but should he have been fired as he was? And does the woman have a legal case now against the driver uh, as she prepares to sue him? Does she have a case at all? We'll talk about that. Also, Charlize Theron says that her three-year-old son discovered magically that he's really a girl. We'll discuss that. And following up on a conversation from yesterday, I have been told that I lack sympathy for college graduates because I don't want their student loans forgiven. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more and uh, what actually is the sympathetic and compassionate position to take on this subject. We'll discuss that today on The Matt Walsh Show.